tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. It's the show with your spicy takes and our even spicier opinions. And with me uh, is the wonderful writer, of course, our friend and yours, Miss Charlie Williams. Hello, Charlie. How's it going? Hello, Dre. How are you? I'm good. Um, the the good news is my insomnia that I was going through on many occasions has now been cured um, oh. by the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> I wondered where that was going. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to pretend like that was a classic by any stretch of the imagination. Well, yeah. we, we we survived Azerbaijan on this occasion. They they welcomed us because Baku tends to do that, but uh, I wasn't here for staying. Uh, to, to say the least, because that was that was a drag, but it, was. it didn't stop you from sending in some really really interesting takes that we will get to evaluate. So for those who don't know, because every podcast is somebody's first, Hot Takes Wednesday is a show where you, the wonderful WTF1 audience, will send us your opinions and hot takes regarding just about anything in Formula One, really. But of course, because it's come off the back of Azerbaijan's race weekend, there's going to be some Baku-based takes in there of course so you send in your takes and then we evaluate them on a scale of one to five one being that we strongly disagree and five being that we strongly agree and as a extra uh sprinkle of a feature if we both agree on a one or a five it goes into my special sub-zero vault for the hottest and coldest takes of 2023 that'll be coming out in december so with all that in mind charlie should we do hot takes wednesday Yes, I'm ready. Five of your takes on this occasion. And the first one is from Andrew Bannister. Hi, Andrew. I know you've been following me for a little while, my friend. Good to hear from you. This is He's gone straight for the jugular. These regulation changes have made no difference to the racing. If anything, it's been made worse. These regulation changes have made no difference to the racing. It's been made worse, if anything. I had a feeling this might come up. <laughs> Because I think it's fair to say after we've had four races now, it's I think it's fair to say we've not had a real banger of a race yet. Is that fair to say? Unless, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd um, agree. Um, yeah, unless maybe you like Australia's chaos and the chaos that came with that. I don't know. Some no. people, some people <laughs> get off on those sorts of Grand Prix. I don't know. I I did personally didn't think so. I think it was okay, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a classic. And Baku was. Pretty rough. I think only 13 overtakes the entire Grand Prix. I mean, I think by the end, they were trying to focus on whether Pierre Gasly could pass Logan Sargent for 16th. Uh, I know podcasting is not a visual medium for us, but the fact that Charlie just yawned <laughs> on our Zoom call kind of says it all, <laughs> really, as a, as, a, as, a, as a metaphor. It's just my brain looking, remembering Baku. It's just, it triggered a yawn. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, Charlie, I don't know how you feel about it, but do you think the regulations are to blame for how we got to this point? Because I think a lot of it boils down to 
the flaws in the arrow, right? Yeah. So are we going to take this as, are we talking about the 22 regulations or are we talking about the tweaks that brought, that was brought in for 2023 or a bit of both? I think it's a bit of both. I think, I think, you could, I think you, you, you could, you could attack that from both sides because yeah. I've got, I've got some thoughts on that to go back to 2022 as well, but I want to hear what you say first on this. So before I start with my opinion, I'm going to say that I feel like the reason why everybody says that the regulations haven't worked at all is because F1 hyped them up so much that everyone had these like skewed expectations of what we were going to get. I mean, I remember like when I used to make little TikTok videos that I remember making predictions before the season started in 2022 that there would be like 10 different maybe 10 12 different race winners or something mm. ridiculous because like it was hyped up that you know you'd be seeing like a you know a Williams would be able to get on the podium or like like it they, like like we were going to see 20 car wide like, <laughs> battles into into a corner but that's what car. it was yeah but that's what it was kind of hyped up to be so the 22 the 2022 regulations i think have done something in 2022, although we still had Red Bull out front, um, it wasn't the gap that we see now. And I still think it did a good job of essentially taking Mercedes off the tep- top step, which is, let's be honest, the reason why they came in. Of course. Um, whilst the midfield was closer, I don't think it brought it together as much as they were hoping. I think we've seen a little bit more of that this year. Um but if you're judging racing by the number of overtakes, there was a roughly a 30% increase in the overtakes in 2022 compared to 21. So if that's the only issue, you have to agree that the regulations worked. But what I don't think has worked is that naturally it's the job of an engineer to, you know, innovate everything that goes on and all those regulations and find a way to reduce downforce, to make the car quicker. And as, you know, as seasons go by, those innovations are only going to get more. And then there's going to be more ways to not follow for the cars to not follow each other. And we've already seen so many drivers complain that it's hard to overtake already this season. We're four races in, it's getting hard to follow all the other cars. We're getting loads of dirty air. And that's where I think, the ride height that's come in for 2023 has affected that massively. So do I think that it worked slightly, but now we're going backwards again? I think there's a lot to that. I remember, and I, and this is funny, the timing, because I'm pretty sure I remember, remember this story came out around Canada last season, where I think there was initial conversations about this around Baku a couple of years ago in 2021, where they warned the teams that with the upcoming 22 regulation changes, that they were going to run their floors very low to the ground and that was going to cause porpoising. And that they they said to the teams, we think this might happen. Do you want to have a minimum ride height? As in a, a minimum that would you know yeah. keep them above the ground to avoid this from happening. The team said no. And we saw that in, in season five of DTS with a famous clip of Toto Wolf complaining about the safety side of the regulations. And as much as we like to rag on Christian Horner, he was absolutely right in that if you're going to run your car so low to the ground, there's going to be a consequence because the teams knew this was coming. Yeah. Um, And I think what you're ultimately saying about how 
as time goes by with regulation changes and rule changes, people are going to develop more ways to generate downforce, to, you know, reduce drag. We've seen with Red Bull, for example, their DRS in combination with their floor and suspension has made them a rocket ship in a straight line. Um, it's we've made the, we've made cars harder to follow again because of the ride height adjustments as yeah. well. Um, it's generating a lot more dirty air again, and we're seeing what we were basically seeing two years ago. For me personally, 2022, despite the fact we didn't have a title race, I thought we had a handful of really solid races. Like I think Brazil, oh, for yeah, example, definitely. was really good. I think Saudi Arabia was was very good. I think Bahrain was interesting. I've, like, there was five or six races last year that I thought were genuinely, in a vacuum, really good, maybe if the winner was still quite predictable. Like Singapore as another example where I thought, okay, this was a, a, you know, a bit of a mess, but it was still an entertaining race. So, I mean, as well, you got to consider Charles was up there fighting for much of the beginning of the season as well. So, mm. um, I mean, and a lot of his mistakes were either his own or Ferrari's strategy mistakes to so why that fight didn't continue. So, yeah, I think it's kind of like if we could if we could almost merge 2022 and 2023 into one. I think in in different aspects, the regulations have worked, but they've they've separated themselves. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that absolutely makes sense, and I think that I think the biggest problem is the ride heights. I think that is yeah. the biggest issue that we've had with it, and I think that directive and the way they've played with it has enabled the bad racing and the dirty air to creep back into the sport again. Don't get me wrong, Baku was probably an extreme example. It's mm-hmm. not a great racetrack. It has never been a great racetrack, in my opinion. I think it's a track that facilitates bad racing, and it's a chaos generator. You flip a coin, you hope somebody puts it in the wall, and you you hope a safety car makes things more interesting. That's what Baku is designed to do. And anyone who disagrees with me can fight me on Twitter over it, because that's what I genuinely believe Baku was brought in to do, right? And I think maybe that's part of the reason why these sorts of takes have come up. Um, because Baku was a particularly bad race, um, but I, I do think there's an o- I, I do agree with the overall sentiment that the regulation changes. Of, we, I think we've gone back a step. I think we've gone back towards what 2021 yeah. was before the major regulation change was, where we got the worst of the cars can't follow. We need like a, a delta of like a second and a half to be able to pass people, and I think that's a problem. Um, and I think it needs to be addressed quite quickly. Otherwise, people are going to drop off the wagon real quick this season, especially when they know it's a one-car championship. We are holding on to hope that Sergio Perez is giving us a title fight. <laughs> that's where we're at right now. A guy that's never won more than three Grand Prix in a single season is our only hope. God help us all. I'm going to say four on this one. I think it's a four. I agree with this perspective. I think the racing is worse than what it was last year. And I think the tweaking with the floors and the ride heights have gotten us to this point now where we're now begging the team bosses to get in their circle and produce an entertaining race again, which is ironic given that came from Toto Wolf when he's been probably the main facilitator towards that, trying to get his Mercs team back on the top. <laughs> funny how these, funny how these, all these things turn out sometimes. But how do you score it, Charlie? Yeah, I'd probably go 4-2. It's, it's a tough one because had it been like, had it said these regulation changes made no difference in 2022 
I probably would have disagreed because I think they did. But mm-hmm. yeah, I we've gone back a step again. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say four. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Okay, so speaking of the sprint and how back you play down, let's go into take number two. It's AF16001 on Twitter who says, replace the F1 sprint with one-shot qualifying. Ah, a, a a fine vintage of 2005, I see. Um, nice flavor. Um, replace F1 sprint with one-shot qualifying, says AF16001 on Twitter. Well, for those who don't know, or maybe missed Baku, um, they did change the sprint weekend format. We have the sprint shootout now, uh, as opposed to the really terrible FP2 in underpark Ferme conditions. We now have the shootouts where we get a shorter version of the qualifying format 12 10 8 minute long sessions mandatory running of mediums in q1 and 2 and then uh, q3 you now have to run the soft tire which was also a bit weird in its own right um <laughs> but i'm going to assume if this take we're talking about the shootout aspect of the overall format because you can't just dump the entire sprint for one shot qualifying that's and that's probably not going to happen although I know you, Charlie. I know you've written about this on the website, about how you feel. And I know you're very much agreed with Max Verstappen where he says, scrap the whole thing. So say your piece. Um, do you know, I made, uh, if if nobody already knows, I make a lot of notes before I come on to these things because I want to say a lot, but I forget what I'm going to say. Hmm. So in my notes, I've literally got at the top, it says big rant. Oh, God. Because... because Right. And I feel like I ha- I probably go off a little bit because I'm going to I am going to talk about the sprints rather than the one shot quality aspect of this more. But I'll start. I have to be honest, I'm not a big fan of um, one shot qualifying. The problem with it being that a driver was always disadvantaged by the running order in terms of, you know, like track conditions or changeable weather. So I don't think that should return. That's that's a flat out no from me. But if I'm going to be really, really honest, we don't need to replace the F1 sprint, whether it be the race, whether it be qualifying with anything. Just put it in the bin. I haven't liked them since they were introduced. The only way they'll work is because is if they um because of the regulation like changes the only way that they'll work is if they reverse the grid and they seem reluctant to do that otherwise other because I think they would have tried that already the, to me that's like the number one thing that you would have tried so they seem reluctant I think and oh I just oh I've got so much anger up in my head. Breathe. Brief. on these sprints so um yeah just get rid of them all together i really hate when they say oh we've listened to the fans and now we've adapted no no you don't listen to the fans because we, because we don't want these do i think we need practice sessions probably not but as a as a running joke for you know team wtf1 is known that i am a big practice fan Yes, <laughs> and I, I like to sit here and watch all the practices. We are well aware of your masochism. Yeah, um, but just leave it alone. It doesn't increase entertainment. It doesn't mix up the grid. It has failed. Move on. There we go. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't fully disagree with you. I get why 
Formula One made the sprint in the first place. They and look, the the whole waffle talk about they listen to the fans is nonsense. That I definitely agree with you on. No one asked for this. I'd argue that the the, the qualifying format we have conventionally right now is the one thing that pretty much every F1 fan agrees is good. I've never heard any major complaints about the Q1, Q2, Q3 format that we've had now for a long time. I I think generally it's well received and I think it works. For me, it's often the best part of a weekend. We still have that, so I can't complain too much about the sprint. It's just on a Friday afternoon now instead of a Saturday afternoon. It depends. That might be a problem if you have a nine-to-five working sort of job. That might be an issue. My overall perspective is is that the sprint shootout was an improvement on the previous sprint format. I liked the shootout more than I like what it was before, which was a park fur made FP2, which was just complete a complete waste of time. Like it's just it was just literally running cars for the sake of running cars to the biggest extreme. So I think this is better. I think you can be even more aggressive about this and maybe take a couple more minutes off the sessions, maybe make it 10-8-6 rather than 12-10-8 and basically make Q3 one shot anyway. I So, you know, I think... I, I get the appeal of one-shot qualifying, I do. The whole idea of up in the jeopardy, you've only got one chance to make it work. You know, you put the drivers under more placeboed pressure by making you feel that way. I get it. I get why it exists. I always found one-shot qualifying quite boring. I thought having one car on track at the same time, I thought was often quite dull. I I like the fact that the last 30 seconds of a qualifying session is a mad scramble to get laps over the line and seeing how the timing tower goes up and down. I like that. IndyCar's quite like that as well for single-seat racing where you get a scramble of laps at the end. I like that excitement. And one-shot qualifying doesn't really do that. So um, overall, I quite like the sprint shootout. I I think the overall sentiment is the issue is not the format, it's the cars. Um, and the fact that, you know, the the meaningful action, having, I mean, I think they've done this so they can get more meaningful action over the course of a weekend. But that's not the problem. It's not the matter. It's not the action meaning more that matters. It, the problem is, is that the actual racing is not great. Yeah. And tweaking that format is not going to work. The problem, I mean, Logan Sargent gave a great interview about this on Friday when he said, for the back markers, this is going to be another test session having a sprint race. Because, mm-hmm. and I used an example where, let's say hypothetically, Nico Hulkenberg starting 15th. He has to gain seven places in 100 kilometers of running to get one point. That's not going to happen unless there's major shenanigans. So the sprint's kind of redundant for a lot of the grid, especially if you're only going to score the top eight. It's better than what it was before. I'd only scored the the top three. But I still think overall the sprint is not the issue but I still think it's better than having one-shot qualifying because I like the conventional qualifying format in general. And we still keep a lot of that element with the modern sprint shootout format that we have now, even if it's only on Friday rather than Saturday. So I actually disagree with this take overall. I prefer 
the sprint weekend format over just replacing Q1, Q2, and Q3 that we have now with one-shot qualifying. So I would say two on this one. I get the the merits and the mental effect of one-shot qualifying and, you know, the, 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 the drama that can often come with it, but I actually prefer what we've got right now. Charlie, I think I know where you're going with this. It's a one. <laughs> I it's a Dead, one because it's a fu- straight into the camera was one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, just leave it alone. Just, I just don't fix what isn't broken. And what is broken is the cars. So fix that first. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, maybe not as strongly as you, but but agreed. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. How much time you spend on yourself in a given week versus how much time you spend on other people. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life, so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Never seen Trek with take number three on this episode, and Never Seen Trek says F2 and F3 are far more entertaining than F1 brackets, at least this season. <laughs> we we are whacking F1 and giving it the pinata treatment right about now. Um now we're saying the juniors are better. Wow. Um F2 and F3 are far more entertaining than F1, at least this season, from a never seen Trek on Twitter. Now, I'm going to go to you again on this one, Charlie, first, because I know you watch F2 and F3 when, whenever it's around. I know you're, you're a hardcore watcher of everything, as am I. Um, how do you feel about it? Yes. I'd like a bit more detail than that, <laughs> personally. I, I, I don't I, I don't I, really I, I, know. I like, I like you, your creative direction in this, but yeah. this is a podcast, my, fr- my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what else I can say about it, though, to be honest, because except that it is a hard agree. It's not just F2 and F3 either. It is pretty much every racing series, I think, this season has been more entertaining than F1 all weekend. And I like this really, this actually comes from a place of, of hurt right here, what I'm about to say. All weekend, I could not wait for the IndyCar race. And I like, I'm a big fan of IndyCar. Like, it's probably my second favorite series that cool. I watch. And, but nothing, nothing ever goes above F1. And that's always been the way for me. But I just, just this weekend, I was just like, all day, I was like, oh, Indies later. Oh, the IndyCar race. Oh, I can't wait. Mm. And it just did, It as always, it did not disappoint. Like literally four laps in and we'd had more racing, more overtaking, more entertainment, which, you know, is the thing that the FIA and F1 keep banging on about getting more of in those four laps than the entire Azerbaijan Grand Prix. 
Yeah. F1 will always have my heart. It is the pinnacle. It's what dragged me into this motorsport world and how I developed my love for so many other racing series. And I'll still love it and I'll still watch it no matter what. And, you know, like dominance in F1 isn't new. And even, even, even seeing these crappy cars isn't new. But it isn't until you tune into other series that you realize maybe F1 isn't all it. And yeah, I just, I, I've, I've felt a real like disconnect from F1 recently. And it's not to say, like I say, I'm still going to love it the same way, but I've just been looking forward to other racing so much more. And I don't know why. And I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, to be fair, you've got, you mentioned your love for IndyCar and don't get me wrong. I, at its at its purest form, IndyCar has got incredible racing. Um, and look, I I'm a big F2 watcher, and F2 has been particularly chaotic this year as well. Because oh, I mean, we the grid we is insane. Yeah, and I mean, what does it say about the state of F2 when the final restart in the sprint race, six dudes go wide at the first corner, and again, <laughs> it's complete carnage. But generally speaking, I'm inclined to agree. I think Formula 2 has... I mean, look, to a degree, it's kind of designed to be that way, where it's designed to be more entertaining by proxy because the cars are spec for the most part. IndyCar's the same way. Besides the engine, the cars are mostly all the same. So they Formula are, E. In Formula E as well, to a degree. Um, I know the powertrains are all very yeah. different, but again, they're designed to be close by proxy. They don't want one team or one manufacturer to blow the field open and formula one's always going to struggle with that because it's an engineering sport first um unfortunately we as fans i think care more about the drivers and the the spirit of it more than the actual engineering and the development of parts and the you know, the arms race that the sport can often be and how and that's what breeds dominance because one guy or one team will do this better than everybody else will. Formula two, formula three. And again, as you mentioned, IndyCar, they're not designed to be that way. So there's always going to be an element of by design that comes with F2 and F3's entertainment factor. And ultimately it's subjective. I can't tell you what you find entertaining. So you could be the judge on that one, but, I've really enjoyed Formula 2 this year, mostly because there's not one standout name this year. And breaking it down real quick, uh, we, we only we had to get to the end of Baku's feature race before we got our first repeat winner of the year, and that was Oliver Behrman, who won both races. Um, when you know we had Boshong lead the championship for a little while, which was a nice, you know, sort of funny joke because he was first and second in Bahrain. You had you know, Porsche, who a lot of people care about. Maybe this is the year he gets his his, his F1 seat. Frederick Vesti has, has been in the mix. Ayumu Awas has been excellent. Um, Dennis Hauger, you know, won the sprint race in Australia, and that was all... The racing standards in the, in Australia weren't great. But again, maybe you like the safety cars. Maybe you like the chaos of it. I know a lot of people like a good chaos race. So ultimately, it's all subjective. But I do overall find the juniors right now of F2 and F3 more intriguing than F1. Um, F1 at the moment is looking like it's going to be a one-car championship and it's looking like a two-man title fight. And it looks like Red Bull have got 
at least half a second on the field and there's nothing that we can really do about that and that will hurt the entertainment for a lot of people me included so i'm gonna go four on this one because this season certainly i agree formula two and formula three have been more intriguing to me and more captivating for me to watch than f1 has been how about you yeah i agree too i think i'm gonna go with the four um purely i haven't gone five purely because my <laughs> my tiny f1 allegiance heart just still still is saying no no we can we can become more entertaining so um yeah i'm gonna go with the four next take take number four comes from joe hillary on twitter who says perez will win the world drivers championship retire and be replaced by danny rick for 2024 we're going all the way with the Sergio Perez as the title contender one on this one. Joe Hillary <laughs> says Perez will win the world title, retire, and be replaced by Daniel Ricciardo for 2024. The the Ricciardo belief will never die on this show. <laughs> um, Charlie, what do you make of this? Sergio Perez, world champion. You need, I, uh, are you getting the Nico Rosberg vibe off of all of this? That's what this take feels like. Yeah, I don't see him. If he does win the World Drivers' Championship, I don't see him pulling a Nico Rosberg and retiring, to be honest. And I don't think Red Bull would want him to either, or they wouldn't want to replace him. And how do I say this politically without getting into trouble with McLaren slash Daniel Ricciardo fans? Are they really going to replace him with a driver who wasn't at their best? Unlikely. I don't know. And I would argue that Perez is getting to or even at his best right now. So I don't think, you know, I don't think just because you've won a World Drivers Championship, that suddenly means you're good to go. Um, but I tweeted this on Sunday evening, actually. At what point do we start considering Perez as an actual title threat to Max? Because at the moment, he is six points behind. And if, and I know it is a big if, he can compete to the same level as he does on street tracks or proper tracks, as Christian Horner called it, mm. then he could really challenge Max. And did I think at the start of the season I would be considering Checo as a title contender? Absolutely not. But I'm happy for it to happen and Red Bull need to let it happen. And we, as fans, need it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pour some cold water on this. No, you're so mean to uh, I'm not mean. I'm, I'm, I'm being. I'm being honest. Like, <laughs> here's the thing, right? I like Sergio Perez as, as a de facto number two. I've not seen enough from Sergio Perez as a driver at Red Bull for me to start thinking about him winning a driver's title. He's always been good around the street tracks. This was his fifth podium finish in Baku. Like he going back to his days when he was driving a, a Force India. He's been good around street tracks. Unfortunately, street tracks only take up barely a quarter of the calendar. He's not been able to put together anything like a full title campaign yet. However, the scoring system works in his favor. Because this is something about Nico Rosberg that I mentioned when I was doing the commentary for the video about Mercedes' downfall and Nico Rosberg's comparisons. Sergio Perez can be mediocre at times. But with Red Bull being so dominant, he's only going to lose six to eight points if he finishes in second. As long as the car is so dominant, if Perez can keep racking up second places, it's going to be hard for Verstappen to pull away from him. And for that reason alone, Perez is probably going to be in the mix. 
especially if retirements come into play or other shenanigans, like maybe somebody hits him, um, you know, or maybe there's some sort of crash somewhere or whatever. Um, the nature of the scoring system and the nature of Red Bull as a team right now will keep Perez in this likely a lot better than it was last year when Red Bull was still the best team. But Sergio Perez opened the door a lot of the time for other people to beat him, like Charles Leclerc and, and the Mercedes, like Hamilton and Russell, for, for example. So the scoreboard actually helps Perez out a lot here. And to a degree, I think it still flatters him a little bit. He's had a lot of street circuits to start out the year. And in Bahrain, he got smoked. There's no getting around that. In Bahrain, he got smoked. And he was probably going to get smoked in Jeddah as well if it wasn't until the drivetrain issue that, that Verstappen had that weekend. So I'm not convinced Perez is winning the world championship this year. I'm, I, I, I don't buy it. I need to see more from Perez to get to that point. The possibility of him retiring... You know, the whole idea that you know maybe one world title is enough that'll do, and then he gets he, you know, he ends up moving on, and then Red Bull goes, are they going to go Daniel Ricardo? I don't think they'll do that either because it's a Red Bull seat; it's the best seat in F one. You can pretty much get whoever you want to get for it because if you're a driver and you back yourself, you're thinking I've got an immediate shot at a title if you get if you get to that seat. So they'll they'll at least consider it, and if 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 Daniel Ricciardo is the best option available, I, I don't believe you. I just I just can't get there on that. So no. I think I think it's gonna be a one from me because I don't see Perez winning the title. Him retiring is a possibility given he's in his mid thirties now. That's yeah. Uh, but even then, I think that's a little bit unlikely. Um it's not everyone's an eco Rosberg who retired at 31. Um and then if he does retire, I don't think they're going to plug Daniel Ricciardo in like it's nobody's business. I think they'll go for someone who's established on the grid right now as opposed to their third driver. Um, so I'm going to go one on this one. No, so I don't think he's going to retire and I don't think he'll get replaced by Daniel Ricciardo. But I don't want to count him out for the championship because... There is a lot of factors that that could happen in F1, and I don't like to to completely say no. Max is going to win this championship. We're four races in, but a lot could happen. So I'm going to go for with a two. I'm not that confident, but I'm not a one, so I'm going to go for a two. Interesting. I, I you know. Fair play to you if you have hope for Sergio Perez. I feel like that's more out of hope for this season from an entertainment standpoint than people <laughs> actually believing that Perez is, is an is an equal match for Max Verstappen because I just can't get there on that one personally. Oh, all right, Dre, don't call me out like that. <laughs> Watch me. Um, <laughs> final take of the episode is from DJLFC who says, if Alonso and Verstappen drove the same machinery, Leclerc would win the championship. A lot of layers to this one. If Alonso and Verstappen drove the same machinery, Leclerc would win the championship. I'm guessing I'm guessing this is saying that if Alonso and Verstappen were say it, like you know in in the Red Bull, they would clash too many times and that would let Leclerc cash in on those points and win because what otherwise what's the Yeah, yeah I think I think I think you're right. I think that is the angle. Okay. Here. I okay. feel like that would be the case where if Alonso and Verstappen drove the same car, that they probably would disrupt each other enough where that would open the door for someone like Charles Leclerc to come through and win the title. Yeah. 
Okay. It's weird, right? Because Fernando Alonso is is on this crest of a wave right now in Formula One. He's in a good car again. He's getting good results, you know, third, fourth places here and there. You know, people are excited about him. He's in a good car for the first time in a while. We had the Taylor Swift puns and all that as well. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the best place he's been probably when it comes to positive outlooks in F1 for probably quite some time. Um, so I think a lot, and you know what Alonso's fans are like. They they love him. They they think he's the greatest thing to happen to the world since sliced bread. So I I can't say I'm surprised that people think that if he was in a, a car as good as Max's, that he would give Verstappen something to think about. Um, and uh, part of the problem with that is that Verstappen, maybe you could make an argument, hasn't beaten an elite teammate for his two titles that he's won. Because Sergio Perez wasn't particularly great last year, and he was way off behind him in 2021. So maybe that's opened the door to some thinking that if Alonso was in there, a proper elite driver, a two-time world champion, etc., 30-plus wins, that Alonso would probably give Verstappen more of a challenge. But also, I do find that intriguing that you'd also say that they would probably either collide with each other or they would trade points off each other too many times. And maybe that could open the door for Charles Leclerc to come through as a third wheel. If the cars were close in terms of competition, maybe, maybe I could get there on this one. I've heard I've heard a lot hotter takes than this one. Let's put it to you that way. I think there is something to this. And I can't believe I'm saying that because normally I just say Max is the best driver in the world. End the discussion. Nah. But the way their careers have played out with Alonso, and a lot of people seem to think Alonso would is was often better than his machinery, and that Max maybe hasn't been pushed as a teammate since Daniel Ricardo, I would say. Maybe that's what's played into things a little bit here and has opened the door for this take. I mean, how do you feel about it, Charlie? I mean, we've also got to take into account the car that Charles <laughs> would be driving because if we um, if we take it as the Ferrari that he's got this year, I don't think that happens because, well, they you know, they had a great weekend in Baku, but I'm going to leave it until after Miami to reserve judgment on whether they've turned that Ferrari around yet. But I don't know. I think this is a tough one. On one hand, I see... Alonso and Verstappen being quite spicy if they were teammates but on the other Alonso knows that his days at F1 are kind of numbered and I feel like he's reached a point in his career where he wants to almost help the younger drivers flourish we you know we we kind of saw that on in Baku you know giving giving a, a giving stroll instructions for his brake balance and stuff over the radio I, I will say though if Aston Martin were in Red Bull's position right now, do you think Alonso would be so keen to help Lance out? Yeah, so that's my that's my other point, is that having said that, you don't know how you're going to act when there's a potential for another championship dangled in front of you. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I can't. I can't get there on this completely, but I'm just, my, my brain's a bit frazzled. I don't, I think it's the, the, the Charles portion of it that I can't get to. The third wheel. Yeah. Uh, Charles is great, but the only the only way I can really like I can the way that I can take this take fairly right now is to is 
for him to be in that Ferrari that he's in now. I can't just imagine, you know, this super Ferrari that there's just going to suddenly come and <laughs> compete against right, Red right. Bull. So in that Ferrari that he's in now, no, he isn't doing that, regardless of whether Verstappen and Alonso are taking each other out in every race. I don't think, I don't see that happening because I think there's other drivers in other teams. You've got George, you've got Lewis that sure. would, yeah. So that's where I am. I think Charles Leclerc, if he had a workable car, could win the title. I, I genuinely do. I've said this for quite some time on this show. I'm quite high on Charles Leclerc. And I think that if he had a car that could win the championship on merit, which I assume this is, this is what this take is taken into account, because you can't win a title in an uncompetitive car. Um, I think Charles Leclerc is good enough in his own right to be able to do that. I think... Yes, he's made some mistakes here and there in his career, but I think the good of Charles far, far outweighs the bad. And I think he could be good enough. But I also I also am not fully there that Alonso and Verstappen would cause each other yeah. enough tension and problems to, you know, cause enough disruption to open the door for Leclerc to come through. I don't. I think Max gets a bit of a hard rap sometimes for the way his relationship with Perez is perceived. I don't think it's anywhere near as toxic as some people think that it is, or maybe no. kind of wants it to be. Because I think we kind of want that for the sake of a title race. But I actually think they get along reasonably well for yeah. the most part, especially for what right now is a one-car series. So... I can't get there on this. And I, I don't think 40 plus year old Alonso is this disruptive influence that he, that we had maybe 10 years ago either. I think he's matured as a, as a human being. I, I don't think he's anywhere near as potentially toxic as he was during some of his like older days, like at Ferrari, for example, that's, I, I was going to go free on this, but as the more I think about it, the more I'm going down the line. So I'm probably going to say two on this one because I feel like I, I I don't think they're gonna like I think Leclerc is good enough where if he had a car good enough to win the title he could come through as a third wheel but I don't think Alonso and Verstappen will cause each other that much drama to get to that point that's how I feel about it yeah I think I have to agree I think I'm gonna go for a a two as well I just I don't think it's funny actually because how you were saying like um you know, 40-year-old Alonso and how he's not as, maybe not as toxic as he was. But I, then I started imagining, imagine if this take had said, right, let's just take Verstappen out of the out of the picture. If it had said Alonso and Hamilton, mm. then mm. I would have had an entirely different answer. But it's that, it's that, you know, that young driver thing for me that he, he talks very highly of Max as well. He um does. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna say a two. Interesting. Yeah, if it was Alonso and Hamilton, I think there'd be much greater oh. potential for that to happen <laughs> because I know they play. I know they play nice now, a bit more nowadays. But as recently wow. as a year ago, Alonso was saying <laughs> that Hamilton was basically a front runner and nothing else. I remember that clash in Belgium that they had. And Alonso, Alonso got more crap on social media for throwing Hamilton under the bus than Alonso being the victim of an incident that Hamilton created. <laughs> That's how the internet goes sometimes. And yeah, like I, I think if it was Alonso and Hamilton, I think that there'd be a much greater chance for cracks to appear like that. Yeah. But with this one, with, with Verstappen, 
not so sure on that one personally. But that'll do it for this edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. We'll be back next week. There is a very special guest that will be in the opposite chair alongside me on next week's show. I won't tell you just yet, but uh, keep an eye out on social media for that one. Um, So, yeah, do stay tuned for more on that. But until next week and until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. She's been Charlie Williams. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye.